we're able in 2023 to average around $4 billion in net operating profits. So it's definitely cool to be able to say you made more money than BlackRock and Goldman Sachs and all these people. So. Yes. Right. So that's also why not all the banks are happy with what we are doing, just because we, we are showing that you can make good money and not be greedy and not um, risk customers' assets. And not be insolvent. $6.2 billion. That is a very large number. And it is exactly how much money Tether made in 2023. By my count, that's more than BlackRock, Netflix, Uber, Goldman Sachs, Disney. How did a company simply minting stable coins and investing in United States treasuries become such a monster behemoth and what's coming in the future? I spoke with one of my favorite guests, a very frequent guest, because we just talk about these huge billions in numbers on a regular basis. Paolo Arduino, the CEO of Tether. You guys don't want to miss this. We talked about, obviously, how they're making so much money, what's coming in the future, and how these stable coins are actually being used to save lives and help people on the ground. That's dope. As we're about to record this, I got an email from my friend Alex Tapscott, who writes a digital asset digest. Story of the week, USDT stablecoin issuer Tether releases 2023 attestation report, 6.2 billion net profit, tops BlackRock, Netflix, and Uber, and Disney, and a lot more people. I mean, it's just getting crazy now, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Incredible times. Incredible times. So... Still with a very exceptionally simple business model, correct? I mean, we're just benefiting massively from high-yielding treasuries at this point. Yeah. Look, the composition of our reserves, I mean, I think that uh, Tether still today is not mostly known for um, USDT. That is, uh, you know, the main product that we have. And um, USDT is the biggest stablecoin in the market. So the composition of its reserves is public. It's something that um, is well written, displayed in the attestation. We were able in 2023 to average around $4 billion in net operating profits. So it's basically US T-bills um, interest. And then the rest also $2.2 billion more uh, is the result of um, our gold and Bitcoin investments that made um, were perfectly timed and, and made some, some good profit as well. Crypto investors in the United States face some major challenges. One of them is that there's almost no way to get exposure to the asset class inside of your traditional investment vehicles. The other thing is the taxes. They are absolutely atrocious. What if I told you there was a way to solve both of these problems? Well, there is. And it's with a self-directed IRA from iTrust capital. Guys, not only can you open a new self-directed IRA and fund it with the limits each year, but you can actually convert over from your 401k, your Roth IRA, any other IRA that you already have, and you can do that tax-free, just transferring over the balance, and then you can go to cash, buy as much Bitcoin as you want, and not pay taxes when you sell it. You absolutely have to try this if you are in the United States. Use the link down below. It's bit.ly slash itrust-scott. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash I-T-R-U-S-T dash S-E-O-T-T. You have to try this now. So then how large now is the your corporate reserve on top of the reserves that back, obviously, Tether, the Bitcoin, gold investments, cash, et cetera? Yeah, it's now five point two billion dollars. Um, you know, just just to be clear, these are, as you said, 
on top of the 100% reserves that um, Tether keeps in order to back all the issues to issued tokens. Um, and um, it's exciting because I, I always uh, say that Tether is a really peculiar company. We, you know, most of the companies would have distributed those five two point two billion dollars, you know, across all the shareholders. We believe that our mission is so important that we have not only created a new way of uh, making payments, a new way of holding dollars, a new way of having a checking account, but also we created the first, you know, if you want to call it in that way, the first uh, over collateralized bank. Right, so that's also why not all the banks are happy with what we are doing, just because we we are showing that you can make good money and not be greedy and not um, risk customers' assets and not be insolvent. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a nice, nice place to be for a, a bank, and we've seen them obviously collapsing with more seemingly coming down the pipeline. Another sort of surprise, I think, this year, certainly for the Tether truthers, was to hear Cantor Fitzgerald, CEO come out and say, yeah, we custody them. We've seen it. We know that they have it. This is Howard Lutnick, one of the most powerful people, obviously, in finance. Did you know that he was going to come out and make those sort of uh, favorable comments about Tether, or was that off the cuff? We we discussed periodically. Um, I think, you know, he is in the best position to, um, to see the... Um, uh, our our reserves. Well, as as he said, we keep the vast majority of uh, of our T bills with uh, with Cantor, and also his Cantor spent really almost two years in doing due diligence on uh, on Tether. So I think um, was amazing to see such an important person that uh, have seen the world of finance growing and changing uh, throughout the last few decades, coming out and speak positively about the work that Tether has been doing. So we are, we are super excited and, and, and grateful for what he said publicly in Bloomberg. It seems that he's legitimately excited about the asset class. Not necessarily even being asked about it. He brings it up. Larry Fink sort of doing the same thing. What do you make of this very clear sort of transition for a lot of these CEOs of the largest financial companies in the world starting to really talk favorably about this asset class. So the it shows that uh, the work that uh, our community for many years did in terms of uh, bringing legitimacy to this asset class, starting you know, from Bitcoin with the ETF approved this year and uh, stable coins, the, the incredible growth of stable coins has finally paid off. I think, you know, until really recently, we have seen still so many articles describing Bitcoin as an instrument for only for bad people. Um, stable coins were not really understood from the banking industry. I had so many discussions throughout my career at Tether, trying to explain to bankers how how USDT was working, and uh, and why it was so important. Rightfully say that it's easy to discount the importance of stable coins and, and USDT if you are thinking only about uh, the US, the United States, right? In the United States, you have the best dollar rails, you have everyone, almost everyone has a debit card, a credit card, has a mean of payment, access cash, has access to financial services, can get a loan. That's something that um, is extremely rare if you try to find the same situation outside of the uh, of, uh, United States. Uh, you go in Argentina, you go in Vietnam, you go in Brazil, you go in uh, Mexico, you go in all these countries. 
they don't have the same they don't have the same access they don't have the same tools so from a banker point of view looking only at uh, your your small pond well not small it's a huge pond but uh, you know is actually is, is a smallish when it comes to geography and number of people. I mean, the U.S. is around 350 million people around, uh, you know, across um, 8 billion people living in the rest of, well, total 8 billion people living in the world. So it's not negligible, but uh, it's not representative of the necessities of humanity. So with Tether, we are presenting um, a chance for all the people that are living in emerging markets in developing countries to have access to a checking account. I mean, I'm pretty sure that all your friends got, uh, have have a checking account, a savings account, have a bank account. I mean, the rest of the world doesn't work like the U.S. That's what we have been keeping saying. If I think about the usage of USDT in uh, in the U.S. or in Europe, it doesn't make any sense. There, there is not much usage. The clear interest on, in USDT comes from you know the, the all those countries that have a high inflation rate. They, they again, uh, they are left alone by the banking system. Correspond, correspondent banks don't want to touch these countries with a 10-foot pole, not because they are bad countries or, or they are sanctions, of course, uh, sanctioned countries, just because it's not profitable. It's not profitable to have people, to onboard people in banks that have $50, $100 in their bank account? No, they, 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 they're not interested. They're not, they're, they're not uh, making enough revenues. They cannot be justified to the shareholders of these banks. With Tether, it's different. You have a smartphone, you have a wallet, you have a, a checking account. And if you want, if you have a little bit more money, you can also start growing your savings account. So what countries are you seeing the largest uptake in at this point? Obviously, we know Latin America, there's some, you, you've mentioned a few. I've heard that Nigeria is really, really heavy on crypto adoption in general. Bitcoin is a store of value, but Tether as their means of transacting on a day-to-day -day basis. I mean, I think 40% of their population is under 15 and the bulk of them have digital wallets of some sort. Yeah, I think uh, from what we are seeing, South America clear evidence is, uh, is Argentina is uh, almost completely tetherized. I mean, the thing is that not everyone knows the term tether in Argentina, right? But everyone knows the term USDT. So they, they think they consider it the digital dollar. For them, it's the digital dollar. So they are not um, using USDT for, for, you know, because it's tether has a you know, they spent an enormous amount of money in making its brand great in Argentina. They just need a dollar because their national currency, the Argentina pesos, is going down the bin. And um, and that's the only thing that they need to know and they want to know. And that, that's something that uh, they are using day, in the day-to-day -day lives. And, uh, of course, our main interest at Tether is making sure that these guys have the confidence in using USDT as a product and that's one of the main reasons to also keep this further $5.2 billion as a part of our excess reserves. Well, then you, you ask me which other countries. And then there is Brazil. Um, Brazil is also another extremely important country. Um, Venezuela, um, uh, we see a lot of adoption of USDT. Um, we, have, we are seeing uh, Vietnam um, and uh, Nigeria is definitely is growing. And maybe you call me pessimistic, but the world is not going... To become better anytime soon. I mean, we if we have seen the last few years, 
is definitely on on um, on a path towards decline rather than path towards you know improving uh, you know uh, GDPs of countries. No, no, we are going to see more and more countries actually having pr problems and defaulting on their debt rather than uh, you know. Um, uh, improving and making or or becoming escalating top of the charts of the highest GDPs. I think that uh, unfortunately USDT is gonna be more and more important for more and more countries in in the future. A message that I try to give also in general is uh, of this. Uh, the tether has, in my opinion, two fundamental values. One, as I said, for the emerging markets, developing countries, all these communities that uh, they they don't have, they are not served by banks. And the second one is actually to the U.S. My opinion, the although we don't serve um, U.S. customers, I think you know. Remember that uh, earlier I said that Tether invented you know two things, basically a new way to have you know to transact money, uh, fiat money. Also invented you know the uh, fully reserved banking. And the third one is, you know, the, the U.S. always trying to have the U.S. dollar as the most powerful currency in the world. And it's, it still is. And there is no doubt that we are helping with that process. But there is a step that no one or not, not many think about is the fact that we allow. So for every, if an Argentinian holds or purchase one USDT with that dollar that we get, we buy U.S. Treasury bills. So in the past, when the, the U.S. always tried to push the dollar as the main currency in the, using the world, that happened through cash or you know, with, through banking and so on. But either those were, was, were synthetic dollars or was cash. So there was no direct reflection of that into purchasing the U.S. debt. This is the first time in history that we, that... A private company create a product that is used by hundreds of millions of people that have a direct correlation of purchasing with every holder we can purchase that. And with the increased number of holders, with increased market cap, we are actually purchasing US debt. So I think this is why not only Tether, okay, it's cool because it may, it's making a lot of money. That's great. But I think the history of innovation keeps going and... Um, and it's becoming evident every single day it passes. It's definitely cool to be able to say you made more money than BlackRock and Goldman Sachs and all these people. It's, yes. You know, you can, I think <laughs> I you can it. smile for that one. Yeah. So listen, we talk about the adoption of a stable coin in a country like Argentina. What does that actually look like? Now, I know a lot of people maybe work for companies that aren't in Argentina, work on the internet, they get paid in dollars, they're storing their value, immediately moving their pesos into them. But what does it actually look like on a day-to-day -day basis? Are they spending those at grocery stores? Uh, are they spending them for their gym membership? Are they putting gas in their car using Tether? How are they actually using it on the ground? Yeah, I mean, if you take the specific example of Argentina, we recently collaborated with the crypto market. They um, have the one of the main markets, um, you know, physical markets in in Buenos Aires, as starting to accept uh, USDT for for daily purchases. Right, there is a fish market, there is a meat market, you know, uh, vegetables, uh, fruit, whatever. You can see already the usage of USDT being used for for any normal day to day uh, purchase. But also, um, I know taxi drivers are accepting USDT. I know that uh, barber shops are accepting USDT. So the word of mouth 
when it comes to the success of USDT, I wish I could tell you, oh, we were great. We we spent so much money in making our brand so 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 you know um, known. No, it's word of mouth. People are looking around. They're finding. They're trying to find good solutions to hedge themselves and protect their families, their family savings. And if they find something that works, they tell all their friends. Yeah, that is exactly how it worked for us. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I think I'm just trying to get to the bottom of whether they have to convert back to their local currency to actually spend. So are they using it even more as a store of value than for transacting? I think it's a bit of both. I mean, we, especially in Argentina, we are seeing it uh, use it, you know, both as a check in a savings account. So while in other countries, it's maybe a bit more like a checking account, but um, definitely Saving uh, their savings is really important in a scenario where your national currency get, uh, um, loses um, 80% of value year after year against the dollar. And um, also, you know, when you cannot use USDT as a checking account, of course, there are plenty of exchanges where you can go and convert USDT into your local currency. And I also want to add something on this specific topic, right? Because we it's clear that if you go in Argentina, there is, a, or in many of these countries, for cash dollars, there was a black market that uh, that uh, was heavily expensive if you want to convert national currency to the US dollar. What is happening with USDT being allowed on local exchanges that actually the spread between the US dollar and, and the markup that uh, between the US dollar and, and, the, and the national currency is much lower. So we are also happy in that sense, digitalizing and making this process more efficient. We are actually helping to people to save further money. So that is another incredible story. And to save the dangerous uh, process of going on the black market and exchanging physical cash in large yeah. quantities. Which, <laughs> physical yeah. securities uh, is, uh, is definitely improving. Yeah, I mean, I, anecdotally, one of my best friends, an American, moved to Argentina, got married to an Argentinian, and his stories originally were all about going to the black market and trying to find cash or trying to get paid in dollars. He told the story of getting paid by, you know, getting his money to the bank going and putting it uh, on the black market, getting dollars, going back to the bank and putting it in a safety deposit box as dollars instead of actually depositing it into the bank. Now he uses Tether, right? Talking about an American guy who's a, you know, Wharton graduate uh, who uses Tether on the ground in Argentina every day. You know, the issue is that in Argentina, people don't trust the banks, right? So they don't want to keep even the dollars in the bank account because the dollars, you can only keep a certain number of dollars or purchase a certain number of dollars per month um, through your bank. And also there is a history and a risk of if the banks uh, or if the national currency goes um, in default, then the banks are allowed to, keep, to take out the money in every single form from your bank account. So people are resorting back to cash uh, in some cases. That's not great. That is not living 2024. People want to have access to their finances anywhere in the world, wherever, in any, any time they want. The beauty of having access in anywhere in the world to your finances, just remembering 24 words, is one of the best innovations that humanity ever created. So it's freedom just in 24 words. 
Yeah. And I think, listen, we, we've talked about this before, so we won't beat it to death. I think even you hope that a lot of people make the same jump to Bitcoin, but it's nice that they're making the jump at least uh, first to Tether, which they'll be able to transact it. I think it would be nice if uh, they viewed Bitcoin as their savings account and Tether eventually as their checking account. Well, look, as soon as they have a digital wallet on their phone, I think the dipping their toes into Bitcoin will be much easier. And there are many good digital wallets that um, that will make it uh, possible and easy. Uh, I, of course, I always recommend uh, uh, caution and uh, and uh, being educated, understanding what you're doing and why Bitcoin is important and why Bitcoin is actually the ultimate form of money that humanity ever created. But I think it's a good start. Uh, and uh, we as data, we are actually educating people on how to use Bitcoin and why Bitcoin is so important. We're seeing a number of different layer ones sort of emerge, all of these layer twos on Ethereum. How do you actually keep up and make sure that Tether is accessible and can be bridged between, or is that not really your concern? They figure it out and the market sort of decides and the winner wins. I mean, we know that even still, with all the negativity people have towards Tron, people use Tron a lot to transact in USDT because it's cheap and fast. Look, this is always a fascinating part of our talk because I remember also last time we touched base on this. Look, I think the, first of all, there are so many new layer ones that feels like 2017, honestly. Some wonders what, 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 year, is, uh, what year is today, but I get constantly approached by, by uh, managing groups of uh, different layer ones. They all ask to have uh, Tether, USDT, issued on, on their chain. And also layer twos, right? The issue, if you look at the distribution of usage of USDT, there are two clear winners. One is Ethereum because he's uh, the father of smart contracts. And then uh, Tron that uh, has created this uh, cheap, fast settlement layer for payments. There is, you know, the Ethereum, again, has a lot of first mover advantage when it comes to building cool projects, you know, that have access to smart contracts and so on. And but for so many years, their transaction fees were terrible. Still. And the first serious ZK rollup uh, happened in I think 2022, right? So while Tron started to work as a EVM compatible layer one solution with fast settlement, cheap uh, cost of transacting since 2018. So for four years, Tron has had first mover advantage. People sometimes ask me. Oh, why you are using so much Tron? It's not me. Is people are have the freedom of swapping from one chain to another, and also we, you know, we we actually um, issued natively USDT on more than ten different blockchains, and actually the concentration is again heavily on Ethereum and Tron. So even we are of course looking to other chains on top of which we want to issue, but it is 2024, so we are not looking at who has, you know, an ecosystem for DGENs, who has the best DeFi ecosystem in 2024. We are looking for blockchains that have real-world ecosystem, that are connected to successful wallets or successful apps. People that, so blockchains that have already a distribution mechanism that is, that is global. Because anyway, we could issue USDT on 100 different chains. First of all, from a pure technical and security point of view, is a bad choice because makes um, our company, every time you add a blockchain, you have to have 
you know, and a dedicated team that ensure that the security of the blockchain remains um, up to par, and you have to make sure that uh, there are no issues with the smart contract and so on and so forth. So, is a huge overhead for having two, three, four million USDT issued that, on that chain. You know, it's not worth the risk. It's not worth the time. So, that's what we are trying to explain. Yeah, it's the same reason an American bank doesn't want to go sign up a bunch of customers in Ghana. But uh, yes. it actually makes sense. If, if there's no financial, uh, if there's no financial incentive to do so, and it doesn't make sense, it's just a bad business decision. Yes, and you know the, what happens is that the difference is that, uh, of course, on one side you have the poor person in Ghana that would need a tool like this, but in fact that they are using USDT, and on the other side, you know, listing USDT on a certain chain that doesn't have any actual usage would just make reach the chain developers. I mean, there is no point for us, right? So we want to help our customers, our user base is are the poor people in the developing countries. Our customer base is not, uh, you know, the DGEN or the DGENs or our, um, you know, the, the the people that are, you know, building uh, every single day a new chain. I'm sorry to say that in this way, but uh, I think it's important that um, this industry grows towards a more, a brighter future with actual real world usage. I mean, gaming is going to be quite important for sure, um, but done in a proper way, right? So I don't see any blockchain in this moment being able to serve the incredible needs of gaming. Gaming, I mean, all the different assets that you have in a game, that in in-game transactions, I mean, no, no Solana, no other chain can, can support that scale. So you need to find better solutions. And still today, I mean, we are seeing still seeing meme coins as the main driver for for volume on the on the different main uh, layer ones is a little bit sad i must say meme coins and airdrops yes free again line. it's 2017 it's not 2024 i feel like every time i wake up i, I have to check my other calendar so how many right it, it is very similar to 2017 i've been sort of critical of the airdrop and meme coin culture myself obviously because i think it inflates the numbers in the TVL and you don't get a real picture of how successful any of these chains are. If it's like 2017, we know that almost everything's going to fail, right? You can only have a few winners. So aren't you obviously sort of just choosing who you believe from a pragmatic, like, you know, statistical standpoint, whatever, who's going to win and sort of ignoring the others because there's a viable chance they might not survive? Yes, that's exactly my point, right? So we, we, we want to reward who has a pitch towards us that uh, that is uh, 2024 pitch, you know, about creating a connection between uh, people that uh, that needs to receive payments and payments remittances could be gaming, could be you know any sort of um, uh, wallet that has a nice interface that doesn't propose to its uh, users after two seconds. Uh, a coin with a dog face on top of it. So that is something that I believe it, this is where we want to focus in, in, in this year, right? So creating rails and expanding USDT rails and that are gold, by the way, towards normal people. Like, because I'm, you know, any one of us can use tens of different chains, can bridge, can, can you know, farm, can can do all these nice terms that we invented for ourselves. 
But the reality is that the that we are talking, if you are focusing on, on that crowd, is 0.1% of the population, if you are lucky, right? The 99.9% of the population is people that are working as a as barber, they're working as a hairdresser, driving taxis, driving buses, teaching at school. These are the people that need better solutions. And now banks are more and more expensive. You know, the cost of maintaining a bank account is going up and up. And uh, if you sum that with the fact that uh, someone at the World Economic Forum wants us to eat ants and, uh, and, and crickets um, uh, flour, then, then uh, you know, it, things get scary. So we might not have so much time to develop a proper rails that are a bit more independent from, uh, from um, the, the traditional old system. So I think that's where I think, you know, that's also one of the reasons why Tether is investing so much in Bitcoin and Bitcoin development, because we believe that that is the ultimate safety net for humanity. Did you go to Davos this year? No, the only time I went to Davos is I was outside of uh, of, uh, the Congress Center and I was uh, giving out pizza, Bitcoin pizza to the people that were entering the Congress Center. Well, that's us. Right, we want. We really believe in, in the mission at Tether. Yeah, that's awesome. So you're at ninety six, ninety seven ish billion market cap now, right? How high can this thing go, and how soon? I mean, at this rate of growth, it seems like pretty unstoppable. Will there be a time, perhaps, when there's some external force that naturally slows down the growth. I mean, for you guys, obviously, treasuries probably won't always have these yields. That doesn't matter for how many people are going to use Tether, but you won't make as much money. I mean, or is this just basically hyper growth and continues because people need these dollars? Well, look, uh, up to two years ago, um, we were making far, far less money. So for us, it's not about how much money we're making again. I'm, I'm being serious. I'm, for us, it's about building cool things, things that uh, that remain in uh, that can remain in the history of innovation when it comes to finance. But not only that, right? So we have, we are investing in uh, AI infrastructure, like with Northern Data, in, in renewable energies, in peer-to-peer telecommunications. We we are not the classic VC that invests in hundreds of things that might make them money. We invest only in things that we like, that we think that can change the world and are aligned with our vision of um, of resiliency, um, decentralization, and, and, and so on and so forth. So how high can go? I mean, the thing is that the US dollar doesn't have to be perfect in this world. The US dollar has to be just better than any other fiat currency. So the more countries will fail, the more countries will have issues with their national currency can go to up to 200 billion, 300 billion, 400 billion, you know, 1 trillion. I think that uh, eventually it will become part of, uh, of, uh, of uh, you know, the rest of the world, right? Not, not again, US. I don't, don't think US needs it again, and Europe probably not. But uh, the more countries will fail, the more, the more unfortunately, and this is, as I, say, I say it with some sadness in, in my heart, the more countries will have problems, the more the market cap of USDT will go up and uh, kind of sucks if you think about it. It does. And why, with this hyper growth in mind, have we not seen more adoption of euro-backed stable coins or stable coins of any other currency? Is it just because the dollar is so dominant and that's what people want? Is it because you had a first mover advantage with 
you know, dollarized stable coins? Why is it that we really haven't seen that uptake? Well, go anywhere in the world apart Europe and ask if they prefer the euro, the euro or the dollar. Right, because I mean, euro is almost the little brother of of the dollar, but really, no one's won the euro, not even Europeans probably. Yeah, and um, and so you know, doesn't have the same protection, let's put it in this way, than compared to to the dollar. And um, differently from the United States, Europe has been formed recently. It's really hard. I mean, the the countries are, you know, uh, looking in European countries are looking at each other with extreme suspicion. They yeah. are, you know, kind of there are some big rivalries. Unwilling alliance. Yeah. yeah. Yes, it's like okay, yeah, we did this thing. You know, we we are kind of uh, you know Europe now, but uh, you know, uh, my food is better than yours, and uh, you know my you know my wine is better than yours, and but I'm better at football and and. You know, a joke's By the way, you can say all of those things to Americans and be correct almost no matter where you are. <laughs> better food, better football, and better wine, for sure. Well, we have pretty good wine in Napa and Sonoma. Yeah, I mean, California is not. I like Italian wine, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But see, I mean, it's Europe is, uh, is, is uh, unfortunate. I'm European, right? I'm Italian. I'm, I see this with also sadness in my heart. I don't see Europe as going to be... It was probably, you know, the fastest growing... Uh, culture, you know, it's uh, uh, with the Greeks, Romans, you know, and we had the Renaissance uh, in Italy. I mean, Italy was such a powerful and beautiful country. It still is. It's amazing. But unfortunately, when I look at Europe uh, in general, I see almost uh, a fallen empire with um, with uh, the economy that is not really going in the right direction. There is a lot of political unrest. Uh, people are taking are voting for for you know uh, right wing parties more and more. You you know we have seen this movie uh, for you know few times in in, in the recent in uh, you know one hundred years. Yes, yeah. so it means that there is a lot of unhappiness. It's not I'm, I'm not just I really not making a political speech. It's, it is what it is, right? There is unhappiness, and as much as uh, you know, some media are trying to talk this down. It is. It is like that. I mean, you you can go in the streets, you can you go in, in, in Milan, Paris, in London. The level of safety is so high, right? So it's not about just the currency. It's about, you know, society that is kind of unfolding um, in front of our eyes. Some people might not like what I'm saying, but uh, it is what it is. When you work at a global level, it's uh, when you see countries in, in South America that actually, and Central America, like El Salvador, that are working so hard to change their fate, right? So recently, a few days ago, uh, Mr. Um, President um, Najib Bukele was re-elected with 85% of the votes in a democratic election, right? No one contested the, the, the quality and the precision of that election. You see that people need stability, need people need security, need to see that they there is hope that the country is trying to do better. It's difficult for a country to change, right? So it's, you know, it, it it's really hard. But when you see a country that can get back on track and people finally can, can have a better life, they will support politicians. Politician jobs are, are so important, right? A good politician like, like Kele can make the difference in a country. And it's sad that so many politicians don't understand the potential, the power that they have in do good. And I believe that the South and Central America will become the most important countries in the next decade, alongside probably with India, 
uh, as well that uh, we see as a massive growing country. Did you hear his speech? Listen, I, I can't uh, speak to the veracity of it. I haven't looked at the statistics. I know anecdotally that crime is massively down in El Salvador and that objectively it seems to be a much safer country, but it was an incredible speech. Uh, if, if you didn't see it, he basically made the point yeah. that, you know, we, we've cleaned up this country. It's the safest place in our entire hemisphere and people are still criticizing us and attacking us. Mm. Worry about yourselves. <laughs> imagine, imagine you go in the streets. I mean, until... You know, I think early 2022, there was a curfew. People could not get go out after 5 p.m. and uh, have an ice cream. So imagine it's not not in just uh, you know few remote so parts of the country, Every, everywhere. Imagine the lack of freedom that 99.9 percent of the population had. You know, yeah, he, he's being criticized, but now all those people can go up, you know, at uh, at night. And have a, an ice cream. They're happy. They're smiling. I'm. I've been there. I'm seeing people. I'm seeing. I mean, I'm going there in an, uh, again in the next couple of weeks because I can. I see the change is so beautiful. It's so refreshing, and uh, you know we want just to support it because it's unique. So unique in the recent history in humanity that we have to support it. And it happened so fast. I mean, you just made the point that you go in the streets of almost any European country, Paris, for example, it's objectively more dangerous than walking down the street in El Salvador now. Oh, absolutely. It's so shocking to me that that's the case. Listen, I know we have limited time. I want to circle back to your point on gaming, though, and talk about Web3 a little bit. Do you think that we have all these tokens, all these platforms, you use the token itself inside the economy. Do you think that that could all be tether? I think most parts should be better. Um, but um, also, if you want to have a cross-game economy, I think it should be a stable coin. And uh, I like, the, I really like the fact that uh, if you have an helmet, it can be an NFT. I really like the fact that uh, if you have, um, you know, a bag of gold, can be tethered gold, you know. But, uh, and if you, you can trade iron in a game, it can be a token. What I don't like is trying to create uh, economies where people can get uh, almost like cockroach or motels, where you enter, you spend tens of thousands of real dollars and you you, you are left with nothing. That is kind of saddening again. So shouldn't be my my only worry is that gaming and and GameFi and and is, this is really important to modernize the world of gaming and make it you know more more even virtual. I like, you know, now that we there is the Apple Vision Pro, you can see how this can unfold in an incredible, beautiful future. But the risk of, uh, of uh, really creating environments where, you know, there is, uh, you can enter but never get out because your money actually out, outside of that game is worth nothing and uh, you spend hundreds of thousands of dollars in that game. And by the way, I was told with um, by, by some game developers that, that there are people that, that spend tens of thousands of dollars to create their cloud, to create their following of, of real dollars to buy an, an out-of-thin-air created currency. So it, that is uh, astonishing and, again, a little bit saddening. So I wish we could settle towards a more more realistic and future-proof and, and honest 
uh, economy games. But definitely the technology is, has to improve, but is going to change dramatically the gaming world as well. We had all these huge narratives of the last couple cycles, right? Uh, DeFi, uh, NFTs, gaming, metaverse, you, you name it. Do you think any of those are going to hit prime time in this cycle? Like that any of these are going to reach finally some level of mainstream adoption? Look, the, the issue is um, that takes time to develop technology. Okay, you can create all the tokens in, in a second, but the problem that is the, the integration of these tokens and the scalability of changes, chains, blockchains is not there. So we need to work a lot and work hard on creating payment channels. So a little bit reusing technology similar to Lightning, but for tokens, in order to make it possible um, the scalability of uh, in-game economies. So I think there will be some hype uh, around GameFi uh, in this cycle, but uh, the hype will likely not be justified by the actual technological adoption uh, and support. So it's not going to happen quite yet. Are there any are there any narratives right now outside directly of what you're building that you do think can gain some level of mainstream adoption in this cycle? Real world assets, any of it? Or do you think that uh, we're still a few years away? I think we're still a few years away, personally. I haven't seen the killer app yet. I mean, real world assets, I believe that tokenized bonds and stocks are going to be an important part um, of the next four years. So I think they are a realistic thing for this cycle. And also AI, I mean, the, the amount of money, real money invested in AI and AI development is going to be, uh, is actually already massive. We are talking about um, tens of billions of dollars in investments in, in AI. You know, AI tokens is a big no, but uh, actual real world AI is, uh, is uh, and its usage will dramatically also improve the speed of, of uh, development in our field, right? Because my career, in, in my entire career, well, almost my entire career, I've been a, a developer. And I like to think that I was also a quite good developer. Um, I mean, I created many things, but the fact is that the quality also of uh, these uh, code pilots or these apps that allows you or allows people that don't know how to develop to, to write code is, is incredible. So now we are, you know, it's important for developers also to to think how they can stay ahead of the curve, right? And uh, become always successful masters of, of new AI tools rather than fall or potentially being replaced by, by AI. And so I think that, you know, the more AI tools that you have that also are developing code, they can fast track many of the projects that we discuss and can actually help maybe not with the actual innovation, and that's something that the human brain can is still the best, but they can actually fulfill many of the boring parts of building software so to expedite actually the results. So maybe, maybe yes, at the end of the cycle, we are going to see some AI-created programs that, uh, and, uh, and maybe blockchains even that can, that can actually fulfill the dream of scalability in the gaming world. You know what we're going to see? We're going to see some really powerful AI-coded meme coins. That's my prediction. <laughs> well, now you can have a dog on a coin that can, can speak. A whole new world of dogs. A full kennel of meme <laughs> coins, man. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be wild. Listen, the bullish uh, case, what I hear is we're still really early and there's still a lot of opportunity. And so I'll take that for crypto. Completely agree this that. cycle. Yeah, yeah, awesome. But that, Paolo, thank you so much. Once again, like I said, I think now you're officially way the most uh, frequent guest on the uh, long form podcast. So uh, I love talking to you. It's I a like pleasure. my status. 
And I hope you make like 16 billion next year. So I will try to keep my status with you as a most frequent but guest also for this year. You better. I'm going to keep booking Sailor to try to get him to catch up so that you have meaningful competition. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you so much. I'll speak to you soon. Thank you, Scott. 